Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Hi, my name is Vivian Aqua and I call myself the Inclusive Workplace Wellness Advocate. And today we are going to talk about leaders embracing tech in the workplace, but still, I do wanna say something um, a, a little bit about me. Um, for those who have noticed or for those who are just joining, I received my LinkedIn top voice today. So today has been a, um, a, a very, amaze, crazy, busy day. So for those of you who are sitting or sending me messages, thank you so much. I will definitely do my best to, to reply, but I also had this session plan and I really am looking forward to talk with Tanya and Robert about uh, this topic. And I'm gonna bring them up to have this conversation. So let me bring them up. First of all, we have Robert Baker and he is a, he is the founder of Potential Talent Consulting Limited, and he helps organizations improve performance by coaching their senior leaders in building inclusive cultures and realizing the potential of a fully diverse talent. Normally, Robert is in the UK, but as of today or for a few months, he's in the US at the moment. And Tanya is also is uh, in the Netherlands, and she is the founder of Change angle consulting as a change manager chief inspiration officer she helps companies and individuals reach their next maturity level by guiding them through their change process welcome tanya and robert how are you yeah good thank Feeling you great? yeah the sun is shining in florida here in the usa oh uh, so stop it don't rub that in <laughs> don't, don't, don't start with that You're because so you lucky. know you know that we are sitting in the Netherlands, very dark. The temperature—I won't even mention the temperature. It's cold. It's cold. Yeah. So don't 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 start this way, Robert. We don't have to start fighting or you know get on the wrong foot. I know Florida. Florida is amazing, but I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> We're gonna warm everybody up with the conversation, Vivian, aren't we? We're gonna warm everybody up. So. Thank you. Let's yes. start with the first question. Why do you believe that we need to humanize the workplace? And I'll start with you, Robert. Oh, wow. Okay. So um, I think the thing that came home to me when I looked at a recent uh, Gallup survey was about how mm -hmm. low employee engagement is in Europe, yeah. actually, yeah. and compared to the rest of the world. I mean, employee engagement, right, is low anyway. The average is 20% of employees are actually fully engaged, right? Uh, and in Europe, it's 14%. According to, I mean, like, that's horrible, right? Yeah. Um, so what we're seeing is employees not engaged. There's no trust. Uh, there's lack of empowerment. There's really sort of less efficient businesses. So I think basically what what I'm saying is we need to humanize the workplace so that everybody feels recognized, valued, included, and that they belong. And I think that's especially relevant to people that you know a diverse talent basically, so that everyone can feel that they can uh, take a part there. And I think what we need is we need boards and company executives and finance executives to stop this you know, sole focus on financial assets yeah. and start focusing yeah. on human assets. So I think that's yeah. why we need to redress this balance and humanize the workplace. I believe in, and also what you said, I believe in combining both, right? It doesn't mean that when you are humanizing the workplace, that it means that you are devaluing your revenue or that your revenue are, are, are getting less, right? I see more of the, I see more companies also challenging that and combining their business values with, for instance, their DEI goals and seeing the benefits of that. So uh, I would say think, think of it in a different way, because the way we did things aren't going to solve the challenges that we are facing tomorrow. 
yeah. Tanya. Yeah, and to actually for me, that's always been such a such a funky question. Let's come on mm -hmm. how human <laughs> is actually the workplace. Honestly, yeah. it's the most human place. If you take away the humans, then it's just desks and machines that nobody switches on, right? Yet we're talking about let's humanize it. And I think, um, yeah, engagement scores are low. We can argue a lot about that. And to be honest, almost every engagement survey out there is designed in such a way that there's a lot of opportunities for um, interpretations and you can find different reasons of why a score is high or low. Um, but what I'm, what I, what I think is, a, is a big key to seeing the workplace as more human is indeed when it comes to priorities within the organizations. If you see strategies 2030, for example, now organizations talk about strategies 2030, we still see indeed profitability growth as number one or number two, and people are always somewhere at the, at the last, either four or five. What if we turn that around? Um, usually, we, it's my, at least in my practice, what I've seen is you have top three to five priorities for 2030 or big pillars that companies want to make a change in or kind of mature further. People is always one of them, like it has to be there. But what if that's the starting point? Um, I would like to be more involved in conversations of how, what is the workforce, what is the workplace in 2030, then how do we see or how do we ensure we have 15% organic growth? That, yeah. and you, when you put people on the point number five, usually in the big board meetings, there's barely time to get there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's shuffled oh, somewhere in between the training and learning and development and HR and... But, but yeah. to build on that, Tanya, I mean, yeah. what we've got to look at is how are companies treating people? So look at the mm -hmm. tech companies now letting people go. What's happened yeah. at Twitter, for example? You just get letting, fired, you, right? You, okay. you are making it sound nice, letting people go. They are firing. They're yeah. laying yeah. them off like they yeah. are nothing, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And as you know, in certain countries like the US, you get told mm -hmm. to go, clear your desk and you yeah. go, you know, yeah. so it's, it's yeah. pretty quick. It's pretty sudden. And what we see is companies are still prioritizing profit and, and, mm -hmm. and, you know, and business goals over how they deal with their people. Now, luckily, yeah. Some tech companies are say that they're going to do it better. So Microsoft, for example, Satya Nadella said, let's put a human face on how we're going to basically yep. uh, remove 10% of our employees worldwide. So but, yep. but what, what I'm saying is right now we're seeing real experiences of dehumanizing people in the workplace through these kind of very current issues and trends. And what will be interesting to see is when business gets better again and they need to build back, are people going to say, well, actually, would I go and work for that company? Because look what happened when times were tough. They just got rid of me. Yeah. Well, no, I always. Is, yeah. I always. Uh, similar. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. I please. always refer to the situation of Stripe, right? A lot of people are talking about Twitter. A lot of people are talking about all the, the companies that are laying off people in a very bad way. But what people forget is the way that Twitter, that Stripe was being transparent about how they were laying off people, but also setting them up for success afterwards by providing a health care for at least six months after they have gone, uh, have, let, uh, have let go. But also Facebook followed the example of, of uh, Stripe. And I would say, look up Stripe, look uh, Google CEO Stripe, uh, transparency layoff, and you'll see a good example of how you should be 
laying off people in a human way. Tanya. No, absolutely. And uh, what, yeah, I, what I wanted to say is, is that also this, we saw things like that also happening during COVID, right? A lot of organizations mm -hmm. released released one way or another people because, oh, we don't have business. We don't need you anymore. Yeah. And then the crisis of all of a sudden people want to travel. All of a sudden people want to do things. All of a sudden we mm -hmm. want to go back to normal and companies struggling to get these people back because, uh, and to me, this is mind blowing. Um, you don't, it's like you envision, is like the short termism, right? It's like right now, we don't need this. So let's just dispose it. But how about tomorrow? How about a week from now? Yeah. How about 10 years from now? And and the, at the end is the human factor, you know, the reputation is being carried by humans. Yeah. Um, so not thinking about that, not um, taking that into account, but just blindly looking at numbers. I think it's it's exactly what de dehumanizes the workplace. Yeah, yeah. the boards should be holding their chief executives and their executive teams yeah. to account for how they deal with their people. Yeah. And what's happening yeah. is the CEOs Absolutely. and the executives are getting too much power to act unilaterally and kind of get rid of people. Uh, the, you know, the company's not thinking about what's our reputation going to be now. Now we've just trashed 10,000 people, uh, you know. Um, so uh, if I was thinking about that from a business point of view, I'd be thinking, uh, you know, wow, that's not a good thing to do. Uh, so, yeah. um, you know, I think we, we've got to hold a number of different people to account for what's happening in the workplace and i think the boards the c the c-suite have got to be held accountable for how they're treating their people and and they've got to think through more carefully how it relates to their brand in the marketplace because they've really be hurting themselves uh as a result of the actions that they're taking definitely but also on a positive note what i've seen on linkedin is that some managers some co-workers some former employees alumni are stepping up for those who are who have been laid off. So some alumni are um, are offering themselves as a mentor, as a coach, or as a career coach, or connecting them, giving them advice, or sharing jobs, or letting you know, reacting on, uh, commenting on certain posts, so that those who don't have a job have at least a network or a reach or to fall on. So I salute, I applaud you for doing that because this is humanizing. Even though the workplace or the organization isn't doing those steps, I applaud you for doing taking those steps and showing a human way to letting go of people, but also to show that we all as human have an obligation to support one another. So from time to time, what I do, if I see, if I'm on LinkedIn and I, LinkedIn and I see somebody who's let go and I see a comment, I will comment on that, on that post so to support them, but also for my network to see, you never know, uh, you never know if somebody, that person might be, you know, getting a job through that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the power of the humans, right? The power of the community. Yeah. True. And, uh, and yeah, I think that also happens in a workplace. And let's also not forget that managers or board members are also people. And um, what I also have seen a lot is like their decisions are not easy. And no. Um, sure. it's very easy to criticize from the outside, uh, not being present in conversations because uh, sometimes there are also decisions where we'd like to keep 500 by releasing 10 or hundred. Mm -hmm. Um, and, but own up to that because that's, that's exactly. in, the in, in the letter of stripe, stripe, the stripe CEO apologizes for that. 
uh, again with somebody else. He apologizes for it and is is the most transparent that I have seen yeah. from the yeah. outside looking in. Yeah. That is a transparency that shows you, okay, I know that, you know, it, it was challenging. But then again, you are showing that you are also dealing with the challenges, right? We we now only see a one-sided story where we assume, and I know the assumption, especially within this work with DEI is, is challenging. But then again, if we are only hearing one side of the story, what else is left for us to do? Yeah, but it's not what you do so mm -hmm. much as how you do it. Mm -hmm. So I can mm -hmm. fully accept that there's a need, a business reason to downsize the workforce, yeah. but it's how you do it uh, that's really important. And so I think there's no excuse if you're not doing it in a way that's human, in a way that doesn't treat people as human yeah. beings, doesn't think about the impact on their families and, and, and all the rest of it. So, and I think particularly when we want to get more older workers back into the workplace, right? There's a lot of talk at the moment about getting older workers back into the workplace. And we still got this issue about you know, uh, leaders and executives seeing older workers as somehow being, you know, uh, past their best, not good with tech, etc. Uh, so we've got some real, we've got some real challenges. Uh, <laughs> definitely, actually, definitely. I, I, I'm, I'm one of the silver surfers, right? Okay, mm -hmm. uh, sitting here with my iPad and my iPhone and my mm -hmm. laptop, you know. Um, so, so we've got to think through how do people that, that aren't in the workplace, but companies need in the workplace, how do yeah. they sort of feel? Well, actually. I could join this company. It would it would be warm to older workers. I can find yeah. a way to fit in, etc. So there's a lot of aspects to this uh, brilliant question that you started with, Vivian. But uh, yeah. I suspect you're we can already, talk the whole event on that. <laughs> you're already crossing the bridge or making a bridge to the next topic because this conversation is an impromptu conversation about leadership embracing tech. And uh, when it comes to that, and I'll I'll begin with Tanya. When it comes to that, what can leaders do? to inspire team members to embrace tech, given the fact that we're dealing with different generations, different backgrounds, different challenges, what can leaders do? But a lot, so like for, for example, role model. Mm -hmm. um, and something just to, to, to comment on is also the sense of belonging. I think it's something that we call workplace sometimes as a cold, environment we have to be in you know i don't know it's like sometimes has that disconnect between the human and the and the work it's a workplace but what if we call it community like working community um having that sense of belonging having that uh closeness together also um opens different conversations like hey I don't feel comfortable with this new piece of technology can we do it together how did you do it you know not having that um, having at least a bit less of the resistance of the novelty, especially for talking to people that don't feel that comfortable with technology. And to Robert's point, I don't think that has anything to do with age, because in my career, I've met uh, less than 60-year-olds that are just jumping on the next tool just because they are so excited to have a new piece of technology and figure out how it works, while also millennials are like, oh, another tool, I don't want to deal with it. So I, I, I don't think it's so much related to age rather than that, um, I think engagement, right? Yeah. Feeling that I would like to contribute and be part of something bigger than myself, uh, that being the workplace environment. Yeah. And I have, a, a, I have a small guest who is a little bit annoyed, so it's his bedtime. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, you your guest, your, your guest is probably very. Your <laughs> He's guest a is probably bit very. Mad. Yeah, this is the new. <laughs> Sorry. 
the new digital generation, Vivian, right? Okay, your, your son's growing up with everything around uh, him uh, that, 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 that's totally tech, uh, whereas obviously other generations have had to adopt it as we've, uh, as we've gone along. Yeah. And what, uh, Sorry, what I had to, can do, I I had to share some encouraging words to Orlando. He was having a little discussion with his dad, and now I have to mediate. But yeah. when it comes, when it when it comes to um, when it comes to the different generations, but also when it comes to uh, because Tanya, the example that you shared was the older generation, you know, looking forward to uh, forward to new tools. But then there is also a, a different generation that wants to do it the old way. Right. And oh, Robert, what, what do you have to say about that? Well, look, I mean, um, sometimes the old way is a good way, um, but I think mm -hmm. we need to be open, open minded to, to new ways of doing things. And it's interesting, actually, because I was reading articles about how Gen Z are actually stopping adopting tech. You know, they're, they're, they're putting away their smartphones because they're kind of overloaded. And I think yeah. this is a really interesting issue for all of us. I mean, I, like you, right, Vivian? I spend the first half an hour to an hour of my day scrolling through LinkedIn, looking at all the responses <laughs> and the point. And I'm thinking, my God, you know, um, I, yeah. maybe I could be actually having a cup of coffee with my wife instead of doing that, True. you know? Um, so I think there's always this issue about um, uh, how we're embracing tech and how we bring it into our life at home as well as our, our, our life at work. But, but going back to your question about leaders, okay? I think leaders can do more to educate themselves on the benefits mm -hmm. of tech and how to use tech and how it can be transployed transparently uh, so that people know, like you go about, for example, workplace monitoring. So uh, how many clicks are you doing on your computer? You know, if you're bringing in technology to try and monitor that kind of stuff, then I think you need to be very transparent and, and, and fair about it. Um, and then I think there's also leaders need to build tech into how work gets done, like the culture of the place. So for example, most companies now have to be tech companies but they don't have the culture that supports that because they've got clunky decision-making or they've got poor tech, et cetera. So there's inconsistencies. Um, and I think, you know, so there's a variety of different ways in which I think leaders could really step up to uh, show that, that tech's important in their organization and that, um, you know, it's part of how we do work now and we embrace it um, in the new environment where we work partly from home and partly from the office, okay? Because we've got to accept that's the new model now that people want. Uh, so how do we make that happen? And so for yep. me, a lot of this tech has got to be how we en enable and empower humans to work and live the way they want to do that and, yeah. and, and put their work together uh, inside that kind of model. I'm going to piggyback on what you shared right now, because uh, I know that um, a lot of us have been working from home, but still I come, you know, still I, I meet people, I meet organizations where people don't have a budget for remote working where they can set up their office so that it can be fully functional as, as an office or a mimic, you know, the, a similar thing as what they have in the, in the office. And I'm just like, why aren't we supporting people and setting them up for success? Why is it not that we are, uh, we are assuming that everybody has all the tools in place. I'm tall. I'm one meter 86. I'm six foot one for, for those in the U S and I need a, a tall people, uh, a tall person chair or otherwise, you know, my back will hurt. And uh, these are the little things that can can make or break product productivity in the workplace or at home. Um, I'm also thinking about um, what can people, you know, what can can leaders do themselves? I understand that for as a leader, I'm looking at myself as a leader. 
um, I would be feeling challenging though to learn something new or to to teach people or my people to to learn a new a, a new tool whilst I don't know it myself. Because people look up to you, people look up to leaders, and it, it feels a little bit, I wouldn't say shameful, but sometimes leader, you know, wear a code that I should know everything, right? And I just want to say that you can remove that code because you, you don't have to know it all. You do have to have those people within your team to support you, to be part of your team. Yeah. And I think here is, uh, I think we're witnessing also a shift in leadership, right? Uh, between yeah. the old regime in a way that I was mm -hmm. promoted to this role because I know it all. Yeah. And if I don't know it all, then almost that means I'm not fit for this job. Yeah. Uh, and you start seeing little, little by little this new um, stream of leadership that is more about I need to be there to serve my people. Mm. Uh, I need to be there to make sure that my people are equipped to perform the best they can. Um, and you see that uh, I've had the pleasure to have had both of the, the both of the types of the, the leadership. Um, and they both can teach you something that it comes with either empowerment or frustration. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because it's also that first type of leadership. Um, and again, I wouldn't attach it to age. Uh, it also is very resistant to feedback. It's very resistant yeah. to the conversation of, hey, when you did this, it made me feel that. Um, and, uh, and that is where the disconnect happens and the workplace becomes more dehumanized. While the other type of leadership, I think, is evolving. It's, um, it's growing. Uh, but that, I think, You're saying it a little bit cautious, as in it's going <laughs> slow. You can be honest. You know, Tanya, you can you know, be honest. <laughs> I am honest, and I'll tell you why I'm saying it like yeah. that, because mm -hmm. the majority is still of the first type. Mm -hmm. And yeah. you know that yeah. um, uh, in my in my culture, actually, we say that the, a, uh, a, a springboard doesn't, doesn't make the spring. You need many mm -hmm. of them to be like, oh, yeah, yeah the spring is coming. Yeah. Um, so... It doesn't. It's like having five uh, five managers like this. Sometimes they might be lost in in the rest of the behaviors and not mm -hmm. necessarily promoted. They might be stuck because they they you know they'll be the different ones. But the more and more that leadership style evolves, I think it will just uh, push away that old dogmas, but also will show uh, a different behavior to that other type of leadership. The first one that I mentioned, the more. I would say insecure one that believes I must know it all. But nowadays you have to be, you cannot know it all. It's so much that just accepting I'm not going to know it all. You already are taking ownership ownership of your own uh, leadership power and sure. being able to um, be more human with, yeah. with your experiences. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of biases around what leadership is about. And men and women have um, all genders yeah. have those biases yeah. uh, because we think, oh, leaders are meant to be decisive, you know, uh, authoritative and all the rest of it. When, when actually um, what we know is that more effective leaders, especially during the pandemic, are the ones that have more emotional intelligence that know how to be mm -hmm. vulnerable, for example, yeah. and can say, look, I don't know how to do this, you know, or work with me. Um, they come across then as much more authentic. 
they come across as being able to collaborate much better. And Daniel Goleman just calls this emotional intelligence and says, look, every leader needs to embrace emotional intelligence. And I think that's the leadership style we need for the future, because that's going to be in much more demand. Um, and it's interesting because, I mean, I, I, in some of the workshops I run, I get people to look at two pictures of a man and a woman. And mm -hmm. against the woman, there are things like, you know, uh, decisive provider, et cetera. And then against the man, the things like, uh, you know, a vulnerable, fragile, whatever. And, and, and people have real problems looking at that picture and the words uh, and thinking of a man as being vulnerable or, or fragile. And some of the men have said to me, you know, I don't like that word. You know, perhaps we could call it authentic. Uh, so, yeah. so we're all struggling with these labels. Um, but ultimately, I think what we're going back to is what Tanya says. We need people that can empathize with others. And if you're a leader, you need to be able to empathize and support people par excellence. So I yeah. think we do need this new kind of leadership. I think there are signs that it's coming through. I'm certainly running workshops, I'm sure you are, Tanya, on that kind of new kind of leadership. And, um, you know, it's starting to get embraced more and more. But we still have, unfortunately, a lot of people who think that being a great leader is telling people what to do and firing 10,000 people at the stroke. So, you know, no, we don't need yeah. to. We don't need to mimic what Elon Musk is doing, and also on uh, building upon what you uh, share right now, Rob, uh, Robert. Is we need to unlearn certain words, right? Some words are associated with women, and some words are associated with men. Whilst both of these values of emotions can take place within a woman or other gen or all genders, yeah. and. Um, See, looking at a strong woman means, you know, a lot of people tell me like I'm a strong woman. And to me, it makes me cringe because in a way, when I feel vulnerable or when I feel like I'm, let's say, less energetic, it feels like I cannot be the other part of Vivian, right? It feels like that. Yeah. And also when people, uh, I, I stopped telling my son, yes, you're strong, but you can also cry and you can also be vulnerable. I, I don't want to tell him that he cannot cry because I know how it can dehumanize him at a later age, if I don't do that. Yeah. yeah. And I think uh, to build on that, it has a lot to do with definitions. Yeah. In my work, yeah. I, I often, especially in workshops, as you, Robert, mentioned, uh, mm -hmm. When people start using words like "oh, I'm not vulnerable" or "I don't yes. like uh, I don't like being called strong," for example, mm -hmm. I just say, "Okay, let's pause. Give me a definition of vulnerability." If you have ten people in the room, you're gonna have twelve definitions. Yeah. Um, we yeah. we are not talking about the definitions. We leave the world word come with some kind of I don't know aura with it, you know. While if you sit and actually think about it, what does it mean to be vulnerable? What does it mean for mm -hmm. me to be vulnerable? Then you realize it doesn't exclude that I'm not strong or that mm -hmm. I'm not authentic yeah. or that I'm not well strong-willed or that I'm not determined. It just means that I might be a little bit insecure and determined to succeed. It means that I yeah. might be a little bit afraid, but still gonna do it. Yeah. Um, or with the strong, I have the same feeling with when we say, oh, you're going to figure it out. For me, I, this is the, the the thing that I cringe. You're going to figure it out. It's like, yeah, but, you know, sometimes I, I trip and I cry and I am yeah. angry and I uh, hit the pillow. Yeah, I'm going to figure it out. What's the other option? Um, but at the end, it's, it's, I think it has a lot to do with, with the definitions and... Um, 
isn't it that now a lot with uh, we have a lot of attention towards leadership and i think it's uh when it comes to leaders especially using technology to come back to the question i would like i would love it if every leader out there that is listening or is going to listen to this to actually define it make their own definition of leadership what what does mm-hmm. leadership means to me and what kind of leader I would like to be. What do I want my people to say about my leadership style? Yeah. Yes. I would like to add another question. Yes, I love the leadership style, but we also need to, what can I do to empower my people to become self-leaders? That would be the next level. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I think we've got to recognize there's two things going on here. Mm-hmm. Companies will define what they yeah. believe the leadership style is that makes their organization successful. So I deal with a lot of organizations say, this is our leadership way, okay? These are the characteristics <laughs> you need to be a leader in this organization. Now, if yeah. they're different to the kind of characteristics that the individual leaders say, well, this is the kind of leader I wanna be, or more importantly, this is the kind of leader my people tell me that they want in order to really be successful, then there mm-hmm. can be a disconnect between what the company's saying the values are and of leadership and the skills and what the individual leaders accept. And, and expect. And, and I think when technology comes into this, in terms of assessing leaders, so how do we use technology to assess leaders and their skills? How do we use technology to uh, you know, assess promotions and succession planning uh, if we're using the same old algorithms that are based on the old past performances uh, and what made leaders successful in the past? We are not going to be setting leaders up for success for the future, either for their companies or for them individually. So I think we've got to look at the role that tech plays there and the sort of algorithms that we build in to these assessment programs for leaders. And we've got to rethink that, I think, to reflect what kind of leadership we need to move towards, which is mm-hmm. a much more humanized leadership, I think. Yeah. And if I, I make on that, I think this is, at least to my opinion, this is actually the engagement gap. You know, it's like people saying, this is the leadership I want to see employees nobody's asking them that yeah what kind of how do you want to be led how yeah. do you want to be helped to do a great job that's not in a in in a in a engagement survey there are no questions like that and i Even think in the interview talk, no and if, if we talk about engagement scores of 15 percent, i think the truth behind this the other uh uh 85 or whatever the, the difference would be is the gap between how I would like to be led, what kind of environment I want to be working with, and the company culture that perceives leadership to be, has to be X. Yeah. yeah. But that conversation is, is still to be held, I think. What is Absolutely. this? Is this your way to bring on a new topic? Is it, if you'd like to dig deeper into this one, we can go into this one. No, I, I want to um, address I... a comment that was shared by uh, Nushin. Um, she shared, I asked several people why they wanted to start their own business. And they said it was because they felt insecure in their current jobs. However, starting businesses should not be the solution for job insecurity, as not everyone is suited for entrepreneurship. I, I agree and disagree. I agree, and I'm going to tell you from, from my end, um, being an entrepreneur, working, having my own business, it means that I can bring my weird self, which is the nerd, the robot, the neurodivergent person, 
but also my human, my, the other side of me, the caring, the social, uh, doing this, and then, you know, doing presentations, doing workshops on DEI. I can bring my whole self. And I've, I've, I only have one job in the 15 years of a career that I had as an employee. I only have one workplace where I could be both. It was either or. You're the other version one or version two could never be both. I, I can recognize that myself. I would just uh, mm -hmm. add to that. I had probably two managers I could be both with, not necessarily mm. a company, but two environments within yeah. within a bigger environment yeah. that I could feel that I'm rewarded for bringing all my yeah. colors to the table. Yeah. Yeah. And That's for a majority of times, unfortunately, they would value the red more than the blue. Uh, <laughs> and would like to see more of uh, of this or less Green. of that. <laughs> yeah. 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 But I think the, the, the question was about in, insecurity, right? Wasn't it? And, mm -hmm. it? and like there can be a number of different things that make people feel insecure, including, yeah. for example, is my company about to let me go? And yeah. Um, yeah. what I really want to start, you know, I want to get ahead of that and I want to yeah. leave before they let me go. And part of that's because in Europe and certainly in the UK, there's a deep shame at being let go, uh, being yeah. made redundant. Okay, people worry about how am I going to find the next thing? Is it going to be a stain on my record that I've been made redundant, let go, etc. Here in the US where I'm speaking from, there's none of that. And I was talking to a guy in Australia the other day who said, same thing. And I was, in Aussie, everyone talks about, you know, yeah, I got my uh, pay up and uh, I got let go and now I'm on to my next thing, you know. So I think we need a culture where people can feel, okay, well, if I got let go, it's not the end of the world. I've still got some amazing skills that I can share. Another organization will be lucky enough to have me. Um, but I, I can recognize why people do uh, feel that they want to get ahead of that and, 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 and start their own firm, even if they don't feel entrepreneurial. And, yeah. and what I would say about that, though, is if it's something you're passionate about and something exactly. that you're good at engaging exactly. with others on, you will yeah. be successful over time, even yeah. if you are feeling a bit yeah. uh, lacking in confidence at the beginning. And um, you know, so um, what we see is a lot of amazing women leaving organizations because they're not getting the right workplace environment. They go on to set up their own companies. Sometimes they're deeply insecure about whether they're going to succeed. Are you talking about us? Uh, look at you, Vivian, <laughs> and look at you, Tanya. Look how brilliant and successful you are now, right? Okay? In other words, um, you know, th there's lots of models that show that, that mm -hmm. we can leave the corporate environment and thrive sure. and be happier. So, um, you know, um, we, we should think carefully about that question. What you said when it comes to you know sharing your layoffs, uh, sharing that you have been fired because that's what it is. Um, I've seen that as well, where some European countries, they don't share, we, in the Netherlands, we don't, we don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. And in the US, I've seen a lot of people sharing it, but also what I'm thinking also about is setting up people with grief counseling, because mm -hmm. losing a job, uh, especially when you have worked there or you have created a really nice, cool family, community, relationship, a bond, it feels like you're losing, um, you're losing part of yourself. You're losing mm. part of your identity. And some people do grief. Mm. Um, and they, I would say add in grief therapy, group therapy or something so that they can grieve upon losing part of their identity. Yeah. And that comes with every change, right? So sure. part of ch change is you have two options, as I would usually say, and it's not my quote. I'm taking it from somebody else. Uh, mm -hmm. you can, you're faced either with um, 
you know, feeling sad about the past, something that is gone, mm -hmm. or feeling excited about the new that is to come. And uh, from neuro, neuroscientific or neuro, neuroscientific perspective, actually, the center in the brain that is to satisfy the sadness or the uh, yeah the sad feeling and the, the the center, the fear and the excitement is the same. Is is the mindset is like the angle that you'd like to see it is a little bit like is the the glass half full or the glass half empty. Mm -hmm. um, but from change management perspective, there's always some kind of grief. And you, I think you always have to acknowledge it. Um, it might go, go by faster or slower, but it's always there. Uh, and it might actually start before, like long before you have to either you submit your notice or you get the notice that you need to, to leave because um, often, often, you know, it's it's very difficult choice to make who to stay and who to go in in case mm -hmm. management is faced with you know with that dilemma uh, but you will see that and again generalizing here uh, often the people that are to be chosen to leave are also people that are struggling to uh, with either role or with a culture and it wouldn't be always like a huge surprise that oh you know, it's, it's not, not always like the case. The high performers. It's not always it's, the case. It's not That's always the case. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm just living it here, um, mm -hmm. but it could be that sometimes it's it's been a process already that uh, has started before you mm -hmm. you actually are faced with a decision or with the circumstances. Yeah, true. I think I the good that. news is there are a lot of people out there. Uh, setting up their own businesses. There's whole groups yeah. of other entrepreneurs you can join. So, so, so network with them, join these groups, start to learn what others are doing, what, how they're achieving success. And I, I think, you know, one of the key things that leaders need to be uh, is to be optimistic about the future. And I think, you know, we need to be optimistic ourselves as well about mm -hmm. we'll find a solution you know, uh, human ingenuity, uh, human capabilities. Um, I know we've got the robots. I know we've got AI. I know we've got chat GPT. But, you know, humans have got an amazing ability to find new solutions. And I think, therefore, yeah. we can find new solutions for our lives, our workplaces. And I think, you know, we just remember to have that optimism. And, and we, we flex that optimism uh, mindset muscle. And I think that can really help us get through here. I want to bring it back to the topic tech and, and, and leadership as well, because there is also another question that I would like to ask. And uh, of each of you, one tip, one top. Um, uh, so one best practice or one company where you see that they are doing, they are, um, they are solving this challenge and the tip that you have for them. So what is the, the bad and the ugly that you would like to share regarding leadership, not embracing tech in the workplace? Um, oh, if Robert, I start, sorry. Oh, okay, <laughs> oh, yeah. that's fine. Oh, I was pausing because I wanted to let Tanya go first. But if you would like me to, to start, I mean, mm -hmm. mine is relatively simple, I think, which is that we still don't have enough leaders really embracing flexible working and remote working using tech. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think you know, that would be the m number one thing that would create so much joy and so much productivity and so much enhancement in capability. So I think the bad and the ugly is around still thinking you've got to be at the desk uh, to be producing work and being productive. And I still see that. I'm amazed at how many leaders are still coming out and saying that. Fortunately, in Davos, a woman business leader said, 
actually you can flex in our view. Uh, and, 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 and so it's great to see women taking the lead on, on that. So I think that would, that would be my one bad and ugly thing. Uh, but to look at the positive side of things, I think if they can embrace that, they can really empower their businesses because we go back to the fact that younger people and, and high performing talent want to work differently than what businesses mm -hmm. are telling them they've got to work. So that for me has got to be the nub of it. True. I love that. Thank you. And Tanya? Yeah, I would uh, use a very practical example that um, that has has been a huge pain for me. Uh, we have a lot of technology, great technology out there uh, that you can use for all sorts of uh, online collaborations, analysis. And I love it when a leader is like, here's the link to an, a great BI or something. And I get a response, uh, thanks, but can you please download a PDF or a PowerPoint or just <laughs> give me an extraction of that in Excel? And that means another two hours of work, either for me or for somebody from my team, when mm -hmm. it's on a click of a freaking button. Um, and back to what Robert mentioned is like, are you are you are you sharing some frustrations here, Tanya? I'm, no, I'm just like really, really. Um, and back to what Robert mentioned is about educating and uh, having in mind how expensive some technology is for companies. Yeah and seeing the leaders not taking the training or taking the one hour, uh, not even in between meetings, it can be even uh, spread across a whole week, but taking the time to uh, actually explore it and click it because some tools, how the kids learn it, they just yeah. click around and, and yeah. discover what the tool does. Uh, it doesn't come with a manual of, of 500 pages. Um, it's just a matter of uh, experiencing and allowing yourself to, to have that experience, making the time for it. Uh, and when it comes um, for a tip, um, I would like to share a story and then give my tip. Uh, during the pandemic, uh, one of the leaders that uh, I was, it's like warmed my heart a lot, um, use technology to actually analyze the a little bit like the data the behavior of his people working online and pinpoint actually the ones that were working late the ones that mm. he saw were single according to an hr database mm. and try to spend more time with them having walk-in talks uh, checking on them sending flowers um, and i got these stories from actually people from uh, his team that to me was a brilliant way to use technology in a very simple way to feel, to be more connected, to make people feel more human and seen in the workplace. It's not just collecting data and creating beautiful dashboard and then making it in Excel and seeing it one time. Um, and the tip is like, be creative with technology, see what it can, can do for you, experience it um, and use it for, all sorts of ways that can actually help the people around you feel uh, more human, seen, empowered, um, recognized. Yeah, I love that. And also what the, the bad that I saw was um, companies, leaders, not, not, no longer investing in mental well-being tools, um, canceling the subscriptions, not providing access, whilst, especially in this, this time, having access to a meditation tool or having access to a different a tool that de-stresses people it's very valuable 
uh, I know that before the lockdown, people were laughing when I was talking about meditation or meditation was looked upon differently. But now a lot more people have gotten accustomed to yoga, to meditating, but also just walking outside, doing walk and talk like Robert uh, said earlier right now, which is normal. And if you want to use tech for good, invest in your people by investing in similar in those tools that add a positive value to their mental well-being. That's the tip yeah. that I have. And obviously, we know things like Headspace are a great way yeah. of getting access into meditation. Yeah. Interestingly, yeah. Daniel mm -hmm. Goleman seems to be accepted by many business leaders as someone who's got something to say. He talked about mm -hmm. emotional intelligence. He's just mm -hmm. come out with something about meditation, Vivian. You'll be glad to hear. Daniel's now <laughs> saying that we should be meditating to enable yeah. us to recharge ourselves and to be on top of uh, things. You know, So he meditates every day at the start of the day. I do mm -hmm. too. And I find it mm -hmm. an enormous way to kind of clear my head for the day ahead so take let's take meditation out of the soft skills you know um hippy dippy kind of category it's actually now <laughs> an essential business tool yeah uh, honestly yeah. i find with all the things that are that are, that are that are tasking me as a leader for example and a consultant actually having an ability to clear my head uh is absolutely critical so if i can spend yeah. 30 minutes meditating and not 30 minutes checking my linkedin feed i'm actually going to start <laughs> the day uh, in, in a better shape Yes, yes, love that. And something that I will do right after this session is uh, heat up my sauna to debrief because I've been, you know, a lot of, uh, let's say that today was a very triggering day. A lot of things happen, a lot of positive things happen, but too much of positivity can also do something with you, right? So I am coming to my last question. I know that we just started with the year 2023 but I'm still going to ask this question anyway. Um, what is your wish to humanize the workplace? And also when it comes to leadership and tech, what do you want to leave? What do you, what needs to be activated by 2025? Tanya. I think it's, I'll come back to the empathy. Um, mm. Yeah, almost love like that. It's create that, in affirmation almost i can empathize in any way possible being technology being the phone being mm -hmm. face to face um just uh, just find your way how find your way to empathize others and that would be enough you know uh you don't necessarily have to need to give a hug to someone to you know lift their spirits a smile via the camera also works as long as it's authentic and it's actually mm -hmm. with with the energy of uh, with the empathetic energy yeah and when you go for a hug please ask consent or ask something so that both parties are I okay with do. that <laughs> i always do but i'm a, I'm a pathological hugger just, uh, i can't help it uh, and robert what about you i, I think what, what we're facing is a future mm -hmm. where humans need to work alongside robots, AI, tech, yeah. etc. And we don't have anything to fear, I don't think, if we embrace yeah. it in the right way, and providing we're aware of how the power structures uh, work in terms of generating uh, progress on these things. I would certainly like to see leaders to build on what Tanya's saying, actually mm -hmm. embrace emotional intelligence. I think this whole emotional intelligence piece is going to be critical. Um, but with a mind where they're open and encourage um, people in their teams, 
to be open about how we collaborate alongside the tech because yeah. it's 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 man and woman and all genders plus tech that will mm -hmm. uh, help us solve the problems of the world uh, uh not one or the other so yeah. that will be my wish that by 2025 we're already on that path of learning how better to not be scared of uh, what tech can bring but how we can use it to empower ourselves to achieve that better future that we need I love this conversation. I could go on for hours, but I do need to highlight one comment, which uh, which is definitely an eyebrow uh, raiser. So uh, very interesting how companies sell diversity in personality and leadership uh, during the hiring process only to join and realize they recommend and reward a style of leadership. And that's a very interesting question or comment that uh, IO is uh, sharing, which I hope that will um, let's say that will challenge your way of thinking, right? Because if you're advocating it for within the hiring process and then once the person comes in after two months, they don't feel it, let's say that the job honeymoon will end sooner than later. Yeah, absolutely. And we need more transparency because what we yeah. need is, because uh, like, things like Glassdoor are kind of helpful because yeah. they reflect yeah. on what current employees and past employees are saying about what yeah. it's like to actually work yeah. in a company. If people yeah. that are about to join the company know that there are issues with the disconnect between what they say and what they do, mm -hmm. uh, that's where you can actually avoid yeah. that before you even yeah. join. So uh, yeah. yeah, it's a shame that that's happening. That's a great pick uh, up there. And um, yeah, that's gotta be worked on because uh, that's gonna cause problems for those companies uh, in, in the long term. Thank you. Um, I am, I didn't bring the awesome card, Tanya knows it, but both of the conversation are awesome i forgot about it but just to let you know that i appreciate everything that you both share tanya and robert and thank you for being the guest speakers of of this week and also for the people that are watching next week monday will be a special uh session which i'm having with somebody else with uh, robin daniels this will be a special occasion so please watch my profile to see uh, whatever conversation that I have. And also please uh, connect with Robert and Tanya to learn more about what they do, but also connect with them, comment on them, support them as well, because I'm not only bringing them on just for this conversation. It's all about amplifying each other's network and, and see what we can do for each other. So thank you all and have a nice evening, morning, thank day you. or night. <laughs> thank you. Thank Bye. You so thank much, you, Vivian. Vivian. Thank you, Tanya. <laughs> and congratulations on the top voice again. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. What a privilege. What a privilege to be uh, on the same show as you. Yes. Oh, yes. stop it. Thank you, Robert. <laughs>